Hi, this is Nick from Paranormal Research Investigators UK and this podcast is basically about people and the paranormal. Um, I guess it's it's a, a sort of a, a discussion about are people, are certain people uh, more inclined to experience or have paranormal experiences um, than, uh, than others. Um, so anyway, without further ado, I'll hand you over to Andy. Hi, uh, hi Nick. Uh, yeah, so today we're going to talk about paranormal and its relationship with people, and this could be in its broadest sense. So when I start going through some ideas and suggestions, we can have a little bit of a chat about sure. it. Yeah, you may agree, disagree. All these are just things I'm throwing mm-hmm. out, throwing out there, um, and some of my observations about what's going on or what what possibly could be going on. Yes. So one thing we have to think about when we think about people and the paranormal is how strong negative emotions tend to be involved with the paranormal. So, you know, you could have conflict in the household, you know, you could have depression, bereavement, mm. uh, fear, inner turmoil. And is this a requirement for paranormal to happen? You know, is this mm. something that seems to enhance it or make it happen? Yeah. Yeah. Is is it an entity that feeds off it? Yeah, you know that some people have suggested. Uh, does the does the entity deliberately provoke people to scare them to intimidate them? You know, we mentioned in earlier podcasts yeah. how you can get disgusting smells, scary sounds. You know, um, sounds that you just can't explain that irritate and annoy you. Is it designed to cause arguments within the household you know, yes. or, or, or cause fear? And then does that entity? feed back off that yeah or uh, is it just the uh, a natural projection from from the people there um, and, I, and i suppose that's the other side of the coin absolutely i mean is it something that like you say projects and is it some form of psychokinesis that we don't know about that, yes um are sick people and children more vulnerable to the paranormal yeah um you know as in do they have a weaker aura or mm. you know um some people suggest that that might be a possibility. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would, one thing I would again just just actually say is that I think we've got to recognise that although I suppose the the popular conception is that uh, the hauntings or the paranormal is, is linked with negative factors, uh, there are positive sides. Um, I mean, you do hear about households again, the, uh, friends. Um, or people that I know, they say their house is haunted, they seem to accept it, they're not intimidated by it, the, the children seem to have some sort of relationship with one of the entities, they're not scared by it, and in, in fact they, they almost treat it as a, as a kind of friend, which of course does raise questions about the, the psycholo- their, their psychological profile. But I'm not an expert, but I, I suppose you, you've got to ask yourself the question, you know, is it something that they're actually creating? They're manifesting themselves. But I, th- I just thought I'd like to make the point about the the, the, the negative, the, not the positive, but it's not always bad. No, no, and I think yeah, context is everything. You know, we have to yeah. have to acknowledge that it's paranormal is not always an, a bad experience for people. Um, you know, the, the instance of the guardian angels, you know, or or having a life saved because because the house is on fire and and something. 
made the attention aware of the person living there that they were in danger yes. through a paranormal event. You know, and, um, So, yeah, you have to acknowledge that uh, it's not all negative. Um, from my experience, when I lived in this haunted house that uh, sort of, you know, I can't prove it was haunted, but I did know that uh, when I became less scared uh, and I started challenging it, uh, became less fearful, mm. it seemed to become less frequent. Yes. Uh, so I don't know whether that's something that was within me projecting outwards or was it something that it could not lo- could no longer have that sense of control over me uh, yeah i think actually coming at, yeah. coming back to point i mean something i've sort of looked at and read about is this uh, this idea that um, certainly somebody in america and I, I can't remember the chap's name but uh, he advocated where there was poltergeist activity that there was a sort of a, a negative atmosphere in in the house in terms of relationships um, and his view was that to, to defeat that sort of poltergeist activity required a sort of a, uh, a rising of spirits and, and a sort of an attitude that you, you can't defeat us, um, and so more positive thinking, yeah. and, and that seemed to actually sort of uh, do the trick, that seemed to actually curtail the activity. Another thing to think about is p- uh, pubescent children, especially girls. Um, you know, does this... If an entity exists, does it feed off energy? Is this like what do you call an energy drink? Uh, monster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is this the you know are are pubescent children the monster drink of uh, entities? You know, the, yes. do they actually have more energy than? Well, they probably do have more energy than adults. Um, and also, is it a subconscious entity feeding off their emotions? Because the thing about poltergeist is that it rarely hurts the focal person. You know, um, they can throw things around the house, mm. um, but whoever is believed to be the focal person of the poltergeist doesn't really get harmed. I think there's only ever been one case, or maybe two, in, in the whole known literature where where someone got seriously hurt. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, um, I, I, I think the the other thing is that um, you know people talk about this this energy and the, the negative energy and the, the you know the. the um, it's very hard sometimes to actually think, well, what sort of energy are they talking about? But but I guess that the thing is with, with physics, you know, we, we seem to live in a sort of culture where science is king and the scientists who know everything um, and pontificate, I think, is probably the right word in terms of energy and it couldn't possibly exist because we, we can't recreate it or it's, you know, it, there's no proof... Um, I, I sometimes doubt, you know, th- their wisdom sometimes in just re- re- refusing to accept that there there could be sort of forms of energy outside of their 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 thinking and their 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 sort of their models. Um, but again, it's just an interesting point, I think. Mm. I think with science, one of the main problems with science it's it's compartmentalized. You know, you got, you got your physics specialist, you got your biology specialist, you got your psychology specialists and what you really need to understand the paranormal is as a cross a, a, a broader cross fertilization yes. of ideas and yes. uh, between all disciplines you know to, to get a bigger yeah. understanding i think the trouble is that they it is a discipline and that's the point and uh, you, you have to work within certain parameters so to step outside is unscientific and if you're unscientific uh, you're frowned upon uh, but still, that that's an argument perhaps for another day. Mm. 
So how the paranormal affects people now? Cases of so-called possession. Yeah, apparently when people are possessed, their eyes might go black. Uh, they tend to become more withdrawn, withdrawn, isolate themselves from others, have an increase in strong negative emotions. The, some people say that the physical face features change, voices change, speak another language in the classic Latin. Could this be a subconscious self-defense of a nervous breakdown? You know, um, you know. Mm. I think there's more psychological factors than actual possession. <laughs> I, th yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, again, uh, personal experience um, of mental illness, um, close member of the family, bipolar, uh, during a particular, you know, period, y you'd look at that person and think they were possessed. That, that you know, and unfortunately, you know, with a personality disorder thrown in, it's as if somebody threw a switch. From one minute you're dealing with a rational person. Um, the next you're you're dealing with something which is akin to a monster and and it's just a matter of minutes it's just completely utterly switches um, I think it's dangerous to to say that um you know to talk about mental illness again i i'm I'm not a psychiatrist i i've I've had to experience it i've had to to manage it um, to some extent um but but you see other forms of mental illness schizophrenia um other psychoses. Uh, you, you can imagine that uh, in, in perhaps uh, less well-informed um, circles, people will regard that as, as being possession. Um, it's hard to imagine sometimes that people, uh, you know, that one minute uh, uh, seem to be fine, rational people can suddenly change so quickly. So I, I suppose the, the question is, you know, how much of possession is actually mental illness? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think mental illness is um, in the paranormal field. You, you will probably have people who have an illness who have probably not yet diagnosed, or maybe they have been, but they might not be taking the medication, or they might be going through a particular bad episode of their illness. Mm. And what we don't want is people getting involved in their lives saying one thing. Uh, for instance, you don't want to be going into a supposedly haunted house of someone who's got a mental illness waving a K2 meter around, no. say, saying this is a demon. Absolutely. You know, there's somebody yes. here, you know, because yes. um, that could do a lot of damage. And I, and I think that the thing is that, uh, you know, personally, and I say, going back to my sort of personal experience, um, I would say it's very dangerous to start talking about possession when there's somebody clearly disturbed. Um, I, I'd rather go down the medical route. I mean, I think we've both gone to lectures and... And some have been good, some have been very, very questionable. And mm -hmm. I think the one that we had with this uh, doctor, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to mention names, but um, he, was, he wasn't a medical doctor; he was a PhD doctor. But um, it was scared. It was very worrying because he yes. was more or less peddling modern snake oil. You know, he yes. was basically saying that he, him, and his medium friend yes. could. Um, improve mental health of people at a distance, yes. having not meet them through mediumistic. Yeah, and, and what he didn't do was actually mention. He, he talked about three particular cases, 
and he didn't give the context to it. How many yeah. cases did it fail? No. <laughs> you know, I mean, was a ten thousand? Was there a thousand? Yeah. Where I, it didn't work. I, I think I was going to say in fairness to him, but I, but I think it was probably a, a safety mechanism. He did actually say that it was complementary rather than uh, instead of. Yeah. So therefore, the, the his his patient, um, his recommendation was that he did actually uh, they did actually follow sort of. Uh, recognised medical conventions they didn't give that up yeah. um, but I think what uh, irked was that he described people who were quite clearly suffering from schizophrenia as being actually uh, possessed um, and I think that was actually quite worrying yeah. So moving on to um, can can an entity affect or possess a partner to cause arguments to split and divorce or that again you, know, you hear these stories of living in a haunted house and the husband or the wife becomes more and more irrational, causing more arguments. Uh, some people might think it's the entity doing that to the, one of the partners to to cause this disruption. Can an entity speak through a child? You know, again, it goes on to that dangerous thing about possession. Yeah. Um, can an entity influence dreams and make people sleepwalk to harm them? You know, so you hear about people having recurring dreams and nightmares about a particular entity. I mean, what I've noticed is that often, hardly, I've, I've hardly come across a case where a paranormal entity has actually harmed someone. You know, or, mm. or very seriously mm. harmed them. It's almost like rather than they haven't got the power to harm you, but they'll try and persuade you to harm yourself. Um, so they might try and convince a young boy to climb out the top window and he might say, well, Bobby, my invisible friend, told me that it'd be good fun to climb on the ledge and jump off. You know, you hear stories like that. So it's almost like they don't actually have the power to actually harm you, but they will try and make your life so uncomfortable and persuade you to, mm. to harm yourself. Yeah. But then that goes back into, it's going back into the realm of mental illness yes. and... Uh, you know, it's a very thin line there, a very um, and a very dangerous yeah. one. I think it's uh, it, as I say to to start attributing, um, I suppose that the the paranormal with mentalists or confusing the two. Yeah, um, uh, very dangerous. And then, what's interesting? Does a person with a supposed attachment from an entity do they have a higher EMF reading? <laughs> Oh, right. okay. Yeah, you know this thing about EMF and yes. electromagnetic fields. Yes. Um, if you happen to, you know, put a reader next to them, will they have a different reading, you know, to someone else who doesn't have an attachment? Mm. Um, and will they? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'd yes. probably get arrested if I went around <laughs> poking a EMF meter. Yeah, it could be a bit awkward if you're on yeah. the tube and start yeah. doing that. But. And then uh, the last one. I've, uh, kind of point to make is are entities drawn towards people with a sixth sense <laughs> you know are they um, more likely to try and seek out people that might perceive them more than other people yes um, but, but the thing is that um, we don't see it from the the entity's perspective we always see it from the person that experiences the entity so again you've got to think in terms of the, the psychology that comes into play the, the psychological projections. Um, yeah, it, it's it's not really a two-sided process. It's, I think it's one-sided. It can only come from one person or from what other people perceive or make you know make up 
I mean, at the end of the day, that they they say they they will attribute the paranormal to to a person, uh, if that makes sense. And I'm rambling, so yeah. it's probably not. I mean, to, to kind of finish on a note about this is what's interesting is is that paranormal activity seems to affect all cultures, all societies around the world. You know, they That's all true. they all seem yeah. to have a story or experience to to, re, to report that can be a similar pattern to what's been happening another over the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so the common denom- the common denominator is people. Um, doesn't matter whether you're from a Asian background or a or a white Caucasian background in the Western world, as opposed to I don't know Aborigine. Um, there seems to be reports of ESP uh, hauntings everywhere. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, so there's there's definitely something what will be considered universal going on. Yes. Around the world. Yes. Mm. Or is it just part of the human condition? Mm. And I suppose that's that's one of the reasons why we're interested, and uh, you know we would like to say that uh, see or or perhaps experience it. I'm not saying that we'd ever discover the the reasons behind it, but. Uh, Perhaps in some small way we can sort of contribute and get an idea of what's going on. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, I think that just about wraps that one up. So if you're still awake, thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.